The framework of business is completely different in the new normal. To explore culture as the strategy, we have to look in places we haven't before. Looking into company culture from the C-suite to employees and from Fortune 500 to startups. It's time to understand the human side of company culture and the new shape it is taking. This is the conversation on Culture Factor 2.0, and I'm your host, Holly Shannon. I'm really excited to share this with my Culture Factor 2.0 community. I've published Zero to Podcast. It was a book that I built to start my podcast, and I created it for myself just so that I could make other podcasts down the road. And then I realized that it's not just for me, it's for anyone looking to try podcasting for personal or professional reasons. So I'm also really excited to tell you that it already hit the top 10 in three best-selling categories on Amazon and number one in hot new releases in two categories. And even more exciting, the University of Chicago now carries it in their bookstore. So go buy your copy and get started. Zero to Podcast will be in the show note. I'll leave a link there. Or you could go to hollyshannon.com and you could buy the book and get any help you need building it for you or your company. Now on to our show. Welcome, Karen Weeks, to Culture Factor. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is just as an aside. You know, we, we've always talked about company culture, and it used to be culture eats strategy for breakfast, and so serious, you know, the whole thing. What's interesting to me is that, you know, we know COVID shifted the narrative, right? And... We're all talking about it uh, very much so through the lens of, you know, burnout and mental health. And, and we're going to, you know, jump into those conversations, you and I, but I feel as though I need to shift the podcast for a while. And in fact, I feel like I almost need to have it take a break and then re-emerge with a different season because I almost feel as though the world needs to go into case study mode yeah. because I feel that we can talk about how we are boots on the ground in the trenches, how we're handling it right now, but it's what's working in the moment. And I get that, but business will be transformed. So in the future, how will corporate America address company culture in a fragmented uh, disparate work from home community. It's going to be different. And I feel as though the podcast almost needs time almost to iterate with the world. Does that make yeah. sense? It does. And it's interesting that you say that because when we went into 2021, we said, okay, we're going to take the learnings from 2020 and turn them into actual culture strategy. And how do we want to think about moving forward and, you know, the future of work and all those things that, you know, we've been talking about. But as we started 2021, we said, but enough hasn't changed yet. We're still in so much uncertainty. We're still not able to even go back to the office if we wanted to. And so it's almost like the second half of 2021 is where we can turn it into a strategy. We're still in survival mode right now. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? With that said, I didn't do a proper introduction. Um, so everybody, you're hearing Karen Weeks right now, but I'm going to give her a proper intro and then we're going to dive into a few questions that I think... Uh, because she's in the heat of it, can can reflect on. So I'm going to try and read this off the cuff, my friends, and not pre-record it. Here we go. 20 years ago, Karen made a career change from theater to HR and never looked back. 
She found her purpose in helping organizations build amazing cultures while guiding individuals to find fulfillment in their careers. Currently, Karen Weeks is the SVP of People at Order Groove and was named one of the 2020 Notable Women in Talent by Crane's New York Business. Holy crap, that's impressive. Karen is a certified career coach, speaker, advisor to startup companies, Girls in Tech, New York City board member, the published author of Setting the Stage, A Guide to Preparing for Any Feedback Conversation, and host of the podcast, Getting Off the Hamster Wheel. She lives in New York City with her husband and furry babies. So that is amazing. Let's just start by saying that. And I'm going to put um, in the show notes the information about uh, your book and your podcast in case people want to catch um, more Karen Weeks, which I'm sure they will. Um, <laughs> but it's great that you're here and you were very patient. I fell last week, everybody, and, and had to cancel. And she really rallied and, and waited and rescheduled with me. So here we go, the long-awaited podcast. Um, so let's dive a little bit back into that conversation we had at the beginning where COVID forced all companies to move fully remote. And, um, what did Order Groove learn about team and culture during this time? Yeah, it was really interesting because I'm a big proponent of think about your culture through your values. So your values should be driving everything that you do within your culture. And so when we had really tumultuous times, we said, well, what are our values? You know, how do we leverage those during these really tough times? And so things like what you see is what you get. So authenticity, it's okay if it's messy behind you. It's okay that life is chaotic right now. That's your truth right now. And so don't hide from it. Don't apologize for it. We did fun things like um, home office setup contests and the sillier and the crazier it was, probably the better. Um, you know, people using toasters for standing desks, like it's messy and that's okay. Because <laughs> it is, right? Like that that's our world, especially when all this was starting. No one had home setups. Um, and so we really tried to leverage our different values to say, this is unprecedented. We never thought we'd have to go through something like this but we actually have the foundation to be okay. And the resilience came from that, I think. That's amazing. And I love, I love the toaster uh, standing <laughs> desk. Um, it's, it's funny. I was, uh, I was doing a live interview last week and I was trying to figure out how to stand up for it because I didn't really want to be sitting at the kitchen table because I needed, mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to be standing and, and moving in, in essence and not just be mm -hmm. like a bobbling head. And I took like this big Amazon box and put it on the kitchen table and then put my computer on it. I'm like, that works. That was cheap. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this question. Um, aside from the toasters, <laughs> will you any parts of that strategy moving forward? Yeah. So we have decided to stay flexible where people want to work, even when it's safe to go back to the office. So we'll always have some sort of office set up in New York City, which is where we used to be headquartered, but people can move away. And I don't mean just outside the city. I mean, Florida, New Hampshire, Colorado, like if New York, if the New York area is not your jam anymore, that's totally fine. We're hiring outside of the city much more than we ever used to. So we said, you know, look, if working remote was successful for us, even the worst of times, this is something that we want to continue to offer our team so that you can build the life that you want to build and still be able to work for Order Groove. 
And so we're offering total flexibility. If you want to go back to the office, great, we'll have something for you. If you only want to go back once a week, that's fine. Or if you never want to go back, that's fine. I love that. Um, and a lot of companies are starting to really look at that picture. Yes. I had intru- um, sorry, I had um, interviewed uh, Peter Grassi with Fast, and he had said the same thing. They had just opened up shop, if you will, in San Francisco, oh, um, and now it's hybrid. If you want to go in, you go in, and if you don't, you work from home. Yeah. Um, and it, so yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I was just say it's not perfect. I mean, there's definitely people miss each other. Um, you know, that human interaction, we have so many new hires I've never met, which is the head of people is really strange. Um, but I think we've been able to adapt to it and people really appreciate that flexibility. So again, kind of going back to some of our values, it's all about being successful in your job and driving the right business results. We don't care where you do that from. We don't care what hours you do that. As long as you're you know, successful and able to do it, do it in the way that's right for you. Well, then now I have to move to a different question. So um, what does hiring and onboarding look like for Order Groove? Um, and then I would also ask you to reflect on um, if you never met your new hire, um, how do you know that they reflect your values that you spoke of in the beginning and that they'll actually enhance your culture? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, some of the things we had to literally think about logistically, you know, our engineering team used to do a lot of whiteboard exercises. And so how do we recreate that from a technology standpoint online? And I think the other thing, so there was some of those logistics that we just had to work through. I think on the other side of it, we really tried to focus on relationship building, both through the interview process. So make sure you meet people on the team. Um, we did uh happen to have a video of the office. So we share that with folks less about like, these are what the four walls look like, but this is what the energy used to look like in the office. So you can get a sense of the team. And then we've really tried to focus on, this is what order groups values are. So we've used behavioral interview questions to ask about, you know, so one of our values is, is we're comfortable being uncomfortable. We're still startupy enough that there's new stuff trying that we try may not work just life of a startup. So tell me about a time that you had to start a project where you didn't have all the information you wish you had. Or tell me about a time that you thought you were going one direction and had to shift directions. So those get to, um, will people be comfortable in the environment of Order Groove? And then how can they add to the ability to push the team forward? Um, you know, whether that's through different experiences or through the different companies people have worked for that helps prove, you know, show their ability to be successful at Order Groove. And then from an onboarding standpoint, continuing to build those relationships. So, you know, your first day you used to walk in the office, get your computer and like spend probably the first half of the morning setting up your computer. Now you've gotten that in the mail with a bunch of goodies from us and your morning is spent meeting people. So it's a lot of Zoom calls. So I know there's probably some Zoom fatigue, but meet your team, get to know the people you're working with, we have different kinds of buddies that are cross-functional, so you can know other people, the people you used to bump into in the kitchen or in the elevator. We sort of force those a little bit now. So we really try to focus on relationship building as part of onboarding. You know, I, I feel like um, universities do this really well. You know, when they accept a student into school, 
you know, they receive this big video um, mm. with the whole class, like the, you know, the government of the class or whatever, doing a big cheer and signage and, and doing some sort of routine that's a video that comes into their computer. And of course, the swag box. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's something um, special about that, like that you really feel like I mean, I know it's through a computer, but I do think people feel like a certain energy from that. You know, I remember watching my son go through it. It was pretty exciting opening up those types of videos. Um, yeah. So I'm glad to hear that that uh, methodology, although you probably weren't thinking about a university, but it translated to yeah. onboarding for you. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, you're you're joining this community. So we want to make sure you feel like you're part of that community versus, oh, I'm sitting at my desk this Monday logging into this different login versus the login I used last Friday for a different company. Are you doing anything to, you know, because a lot of culture is also personalities, right? Not mm -hmm. just their ability to do the job. Um, so how do you, you know, I know you said that first day, you spend a lot of time getting to know them, um, but hopefully you've had enough interviews with them prior to have determined that their energy is right or their attitude mm -hmm. is right or, um, you know, their sense of humor is right. Uh, is there anything you do in that process? Like, is there any type of like fun survey or unique way during the interview process that you're able to figure that out? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, depending on the role, we'll have them meet other members of the team and have it be sort of just a virtual coffee. So yeah, it's still part of the interview process, but it's really more like just to get to know the people you're working with versus when you interviewed one-on-one -on -one with this person, we were sort of diving deep into your skill or experience. And so hopefully those virtual coffees with your peer group is a way to kind of let your personality show a little bit more and get to know the people you're working with. And then as part of the onboarding process through Greenhouse, which is the platform that we use, they're able to submit silly things like their favorite candy. And that's part of their welcome packages and their favorite candy is in that welcome package. Or they will introduce themselves via Slack on their first day. And we ask them to do two truths and a lie. And so it starts a conversation with uh, random people in the organization about, oh, I really hope like this is true or this is there's no way this is real. And then at our first team update, which is all Zoom, obviously, but we have them sort of visually welcome themselves and, you know, just wave or something so that people can put a face to a name. So there's kind of different moments where we allow their personality to shine so that people get to know them as a person as well. I like that. I like the two truths and a lie thing. That's, that's kind of <laughs> cool. That, that That's a good icebreaker for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the the other thing I want to ask you is, is there a way or have you as a leader cracked the code between work-life balance, business goals, and the metrics that drive your business? Because, you know, it's a tenuous uh, track, right? It's really hard to get all of that right. Um, I'm not sure I fully even believe in work-life balance. I'm not even sure if it exists, but um, maybe you've cracked the code. Can you share yeah, I actually heard someone call it work-life integration the other day, and I thought that was a much better way to phrase it in today's world. Um, I think one thing that I've worked a lot with our managers on is 
partially business goals probably changed in 2020, even though Order Groove did really well in the year, which we're very thankful for compared to a lot of other companies, you know, focus has changed, how our clients were working with us changed. So definitely had some goals changed throughout the year. So making sure that A, you are evaluating and monitoring the correct goals. Don't hold on to baggage from the past. Focus on these goals that they have in front of them today. But then also do enough of a sliding scale around people's lives are upside down right now. And they may have kids running around. They may have parents they're taking care of. They may have had someone who's gotten sick. They may have five roommates. They may live by themselves. All of those create stressors and environmental burnout that they may not have had before. So while you're still responsible and you have to you know, produce at work, we may have sort of a sliding scale for 2020 that says, look, business goals changed. And I know you were going through a lot as we all were. So let's sort of evaluate your performance appropriately. And I've been working a lot with managers one-on-one on how to do that successfully. Um, so people don't feel the pressure of, oh my gosh, if I don't do this thing, I'm going to get like penalized for it or something like that. There's still accountability, but mm. we can put in some buffers there, This especially for 2020. 2021. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Continuing into 2021, for sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. So I know everything's blending together. Work, life, the years, yeah. the days. Nobody knows if it's Sunday or Thursday. No, no judgment. So... Um, so this brings me to that harder question, and, and thanks for inviting it in. So burnout and mental health, right? Every company's talking about it. You're on LinkedIn. You're on Twitter. You're No matter where you are, um, it's top of mind, as it should be. Um, this has been um, a very, very difficult pass for a lot of people. So, And this is probably a broader question, but you can certainly, as somebody who handles you know, the people side of the business. How do you think businesses should handle this increase of burnout? And do you think it's their responsibility? That's the tougher question. Ooh, yeah, that's the tougher question for sure. I think, first of all, just acknowledging it through either sharing your own vulnerability around it. You know, uh, there was a time in September where I just hit my wall and I totally sort of just, you know, would be in tears for any minute or screaming the next minute. So I was very honest with the people that I was talking to around, hey, I'm having a really tough time right now. I need to take a couple of days off. I've got to refresh. Um, and so by sharing my own story, hopefully that let people know it's okay to talk about this with your manager. It's okay to talk about it with me. We're all human. We are all feeling this right now. So just be honest with it. So I think the vulnerability from managers and leaders and role models in the organization is really important. I also think there's a conversation around what does that person need? So someone I work with has three kids, a spouse, everybody's at home right now. Taking time off doesn't necessarily help them because home is so stressful as well. And so is there an opportunity to, you know, have them, is there a safe place where they can go outside and work for a little while or giving them the flexibility in their schedule where, okay, in the afternoons, you need to be offline to help with home stuff. And then you're going to log back in in the evening and knowing that that's a safe conversation to have with your manager, because that's going to help you stay uh, more healthy or not get burned out as fast. I think at the end of the day, it is partially the responsibility of an organization because we have to help them. And we have to, you want to retain great people, right? And 
We want to help them through this journey. We are not therapists. We are, we cannot help them with that piece, but we can give them the space to have the conversation and let them know what resources are available through your company, whether that's, you know, coaching and, or uh, EAP and benefits or flexible schedules or whatever we can offer. And that that's what we can do to help them know that we recognize this is a tough time. Here's how we can help you let us know, you know, what you need, but we can't solve it for them. We can't, like I said, we're not their therapists. So there is some boundaries, you know, that we can't go deep in, but I do think we should try. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, there are companies that are actually offering that therapy. Um, I had, um, interviewed, uh, Johnny Hanna, who's the owner of Homey, and he literally got on stage as the leader of his company and uh, told everybody about his depression mm. and that he basically didn't want to see anybody else um, suffer in silence. And he um, actually put a therapist on the staff so that there was somebody always available to the people um, that worked for him. And he, he had increased things like one-on-ones and buddy systems to, to, so that everybody could kind of not, not be accountable for the, the other person. Cause that's too heavy a load, but, um, to be aware, you know, if you're with somebody enough, sometimes you pick up on a few signs when you see them, you know, taking a nosedive. Right. Um, or at least yeah. we hope that you're able to, to see it. And if not, if not, you know, that's okay. You're you know, your buddy isn't necessarily a therapist, right? But I thought that was an interesting yeah. um, way. And I applaud you for, um, I think, emulation of something is is really great. So like if you show your vulnerability and where you're struggling as a leader and you take the time off that you need to revive, regenerate, rest, whatever, it is a lot easier for other people to do that because you have gone out publicly in front of the company and said, I'm exhausted. I'm reaching a burnout stage. I'm shutting off tomorrow. I'm forwarding my email um, or I will not reply until two calendar days later. Um, I appreciate that. And, and by you doing things like that, it's easier for people who work for you to follow that lead, right? Yeah, I, I hope so. And I think actually you bring up a really great point is around expectation setting. So one thing that we tried to do too is, again, everybody needs something different right now. So we said, you know, find five to eight hours throughout the week where you are not in meetings. We tend to be a very meeting heavy culture. So that may be lunchtime because you just want to take some lunch and, you know, you get offline every day. Maybe that's like an afternoon so you can do some catch up work or thinking or whatever it may be, but just tell your team. And I think that sometimes people are trying to kind of like have their um, feet in both ponds or whatever, where they're trying to take the time, but they're not talking to people. So they're, you know, see emails piling up. And so to your point, just put your out of office on, tell your team, Hey, I need to take 12 to one every day. If something really urgent comes up, you know, here's how to get me, but otherwise I'm not going to be responding or I need to take Friday off to refresh. I'm turning off Slack notifications. I'm turning off email I'm turning everything off and people will respect it. I think when people don't know, they, of course they're reaching out to you because they don't know, but if you communicate to that, to them, 
at least what I've seen is people will really respect it because they get it. They need to do the same thing sometimes. The meeting culture is tough. You know, it's the busyness culture, right? It's it's almost the badge of honor. Oh, no, I have another meeting. You know, you feel important because <laughs> you've been invited to something and you show yeah. up. Um, but yeah, it's not always advantageous because sometimes you don't, you're not maybe in a position to even contribute um, or, or maybe it just doesn't apply to you enough for you to take that hour and sit in on it. Um, so yeah, there's, um, you know, another person, great person I interviewed, Darren Murph with GitLab, you know, they were remote before, um, they were a remote first company before anybody else was suddenly remote. And, um, you know, he talks a lot about that, that they do a lot of, um, asynchronous meetings where, you know, basically they, uh, correspond through email to get everything done that they need to, and they only schedule meetings if it cannot be done through email or, you know, mm. maybe maybe it's in the final stages or something that they collaborate. And I remember seeing yeah. him post once on, uh, I think it was on Instagram, it was a conversation between him and somebody else where they uh, canceled the meeting because they got everything they needed through the email. So he posted like this picture of him hiking with his kid, like, yeah, see, I'm so happy that we did it this way um, because now I'm out here with my son in, you know, in the fresh air, enjoying my day because I didn't have to show up to that meeting. It was canceled for a good reason. We did the work we needed to do. So um, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's really nice. I, I, we'll all find our tools for sure. Um, so, Karen, I really thank you. I mean, before I, I close this out, is there anything I haven't asked you? I, I know you have your book. Maybe you want to give everybody the, uh, the elevator pitch on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, so the book is called Setting the Stage, How to Prepare to Give Any Sort of Feedback. And so it's it's meant for managers, but you know HR folks can use it. There's even a section about how to receive feedback if employees want to look at it. But in theory, it helps set up how to give the best feedback and it's all worksheets. So it's sort of like some best practices and then a bunch of worksheets. So hopefully it's very action oriented for people. Um, it stemmed from years of training managers on how to give feedback. And it's hard in the best of times. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. People still get you know anxious about it. So hopefully this helps them prep for it a little bit better. I love that. Um, you know, I think you're aware I had Dr. Orsini on um, prior to interviewing you and um, he had used uh, his experience uh, delivering really difficult conversations from the NICU um, about, or, or not just in the NICU, but in his practice as a doctor, you know, whether it be, you know, a, a terminal illness or a death and, you know, those types of difficult conversations, it's, it's really, um, hard to believe that. I mean, it actually makes perfect sense that you could translate how you talk to somebody in, in a dire situation like yeah. that and then translate it into the office. But I love that people like him and people like you are providing tools for people to have those conversations. Um, and I think it's really great um, that you have this tactical book. So it will be in the show notes. And um, I'm so happy that this came together, Karen. And again, I... As Holly Shannon, I appreciate your patience in making this 
interview happen. <laughs> and uh, everybody go buy her book because she's lovely and, and this is really great. So thank you for coming on Culture Factor. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. 